You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. So now we get to part number two, which is a big part, a part that we cannot stay too long on, but I hope to pique your interest just a little bit to read through it. We're going to skim the milk, uh, but the top of the milk isn't the best part. You've got to get to the bottom. So I hope that you read, you read through it, Deuteronomy 12 through 26. Part two, the biggest part. By, all, by many matters, the most important part of Deuteronomy, where it got its name, and it is a second giving of these laws. And there are various laws, and for instance, the laws deal with, in chapter 12, the worship of God. In chapter 13, it talks about idolatry. Chapter 14, it talks about food, more food laws, and tithing. Uh, chapter 15, talks about care of servants, and the poor, and the needy. Chapter 16 and 17 is all about government and being just in your society, making sure that people are being treated fairly. Um, Chapter 18 is talking about the occult and fortune-telling and witchcraft and and, uh, a lot of that, definitely towards the second half of it, uh, is talking about that. Uh, Chapter 20 is talking about how to wage war. Is anyone warm in here? Are we a little warm? Brother Rusty, could you help us there? I'm, I'm just asking Brother Rusty to do everything. Uh, and a Whopper Junior with fries. <laughs> um, there's laws about family. There's laws about marriage and divorce. There's laws about moral purity. There's even laws about simple hygiene that you can read through. And as you read these section of laws, it can get confusing. It can make you scratch your head. It can make you wonder what's happening. But I want you to remember these few things that I give you to help us understand these laws a little bit better. First thing that we have to remember is that the purpose of these laws was to separate the Israelites from the other nations. That was one of the purposes of these laws, to bring a separation. And this gives laws that seem a little strange some context. There's a law in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 21. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. Don't, not not like a child, all the kids are, what? (laughs) The kid is a goat, okay? Don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. So you're thinking, deal. Have you ever tried to boil milk before? It's horrible, (laughs) right? But no, okay, so it was meant to separate. So when you read that, and you read it three times, twice in Exodus and once in Deuteronomy, you're thinking, what's the big deal with cooking a baby goat in its mother's milk, other than it sounds a little strange? Well, it was a pagan practice. Don't do it. Um, Let's see here. This also gives laws, when you remember it was meant to bring separation, it also gives laws that seem a little harsh today some more context any of the laws about how to treat a servant. So today, in our society, we're thinking, well, anything to do with slavery or servanthood is barbaric and and mean. Well, you have to remember, this was thousands of years ago when slavery and servanthood was, was commonplace. And when you compared the other nation's laws, read the Code of Hammurabi and, and how they treated servants. And then you read 
in Deuteronomy and Exodus, how the Lord says, this is how you treat your servant. In fact, there's a provision when you let your servant go, the servant may want to stay with you because that is how well that you treated them. There's even another provision in chapter 23, and then it talks about when you get into Canaan, you're probably going to have heathen servants escaping from their masters and coming and seeking refuge with you, and you don't turn them away. You take care of them. So there was definitely a separation, a huge separation. So people, here's what happens. They look in Deuteronomy. Oh, see, God, God um, approves of servanthood. God approves of slavery. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Here's, here's the next thing to think of. These laws, so first of all, it was meant to bring separation, but also it was meant to bring evolution. Not necessarily revolution. God was slowly working on his people step by step, little by little, making them into the nation that he wanted them to be through these laws. For instance, this explains laws that seem confusing when compared to other verses in the Bible. Chapter 21, verse 15 gives a law about a man that has multiple wives. Is that because the Lord approves of that practice? No, but what he's saying, and, and notice, how does the Lord begin to bring his people out of that practice? He tells his priests, one wife. And what are we today? Priests. Priesthood of the believer. So what we are supposed to do to be different from the world and should also show the world a better way of living, a more moral way of living, a higher standard uh, is, is what God is setting, is setting back here. So because you read a law about divorce in Deuteronomy. Remember what the Pharisees do when they came up to Jesus and he says they're not married in heaven either. Are they given in marriage? What was the answer to that too? Because they're asking him about divorce. And Jesus said from the beginning, that was not so to be. Moses wrote that because of the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning of time, that was not so to be. Read in Malachi says, just because there's a law about divorce doesn't mean that God likes it. Doesn't mean that God approves of it. When you marry somebody, God cleaves man and woman together. And what man has put together, let no man, or what God has put together, let no man put asunder. So when you read these, um, these laws in Deuteronomy and people start taking them, oh, see, we can do this, and we can do that, and we can do that. No, you have to understand the context. You have to remember those. Okay, how about this next one here? The laws were also meant to teach an underlying truth. Now, this explains laws that seem a little bit unnecessary. Verse, uh, let's see here. Verse 4 of chapter 25. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. So you had a mill and you would attach an ox to it, and he would just walk around in circles. And you would put the corn in there, and it would slowly grind it down into meal. Well, if you didn't muzzle that ox, guess what he's going to do the entire time he's walking around? He's eating the meal that he's making. So a lot of people would muzzle the ox. And God said, no, I'm making a law. You cannot do that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It was meant to teach an underlying truth.
And we're going to look in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the, mo the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Sure. Or, verse 10, saith he, saith he it altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. Not for the ox only, but, but for ours, before the ox. That he that ploweth should plow in hope. And that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Why is Paul reading, writing this? Because there are people telling him, you have no right to come around visiting these different churches on your missionary journeys and expecting money. And Paul said, well, first of all, I never expected money. I never asked for anything of that. But maybe they heard of the Church of Thessalonica giving. Maybe they heard of the Philippians giving to them on, on him on several occasions. And they're basically saying, that's the church's money. That's not your money. And so Paul brings out this law. Moses says, do, do not muzzle the ox when he treads the corn. Did he say that for the oxen or do you think he said that for us? Obviously for us, that people who work should receive compensation for their work. And he comes back and says, so if I give to you and I care for you spiritually, is it really too much to ask that you take care of me physically? But then he goes on to say, I've never asked for you to do that. And then he even writes the Philippian church, the ones who have given to him on multiple occasions. He said, I, I, I do not speak in respect of want. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, but do you see how Paul is bringing that out? There's a law there that just seems, oh, well, don't be cruel to the ox. Let him eat while he works. But there's an underlying truth to it. Take care of those who work. Those who work should eat and should be compensated for their work. Uh, let's see here. Uh, number four. What is, a, what is another thing to remember when you're reading these laws? These laws were meant to give life. So not only through obedience that we had talked about, obviously obeying these laws, the Bible said, I will, I'll bless you and you will have life. If you disobey them, it's bringing a curse upon you and it's bringing death. You saw that with your fathers. You saw it at all these different places. But it's not just life. It is a long life and it is a good long life. And when you start reading these laws, you see that it, it explains laws that seem random but they're designed to practically impact our lives to watch over our health and watch over our happiness so that we can live long. And if you're gonna live long, you need to live healthy. And if you're gonna live well and happy, well then there's some things that you probably shouldn't do and that you need to avoid. So look in chapter 22 of Deuteronomy. Look at chapter 22. And there's a couple here, so we'll turn there. Um, we'll look in verse 8 in just a little bit, but I'll, I'll bring up one in, in verse 6 and 7 here. God says, okay, I'm making a law. If you're walking down the road and you're hungry and you see a bird's nest, 
and it has eggs in it and a bird in it. Take the eggs, leave the bird. That's a law. Now you would think that seems a little, well, wait a second. No, 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 no. God wants you to have life. So there's no, nothing wrong with if you're hungry, you eat because he wants you to have life. But he also wants you to live long. And the thing is, if everybody who runs across a bird's nest with a bird and eggs in it, and everybody who does that takes the bird and the eggs, eventually you're going to run out of birds. If you take the eggs and leave the bird, more eggs. It's so practical. But God can't say, I want you to live, and I want you to live long, and I want you to live happy without putting any rules in place. So here's a law. When you walk along the road and you see a bird's nest with eggs, take the eggs, leave the bird. That's a law. Okay, how about this next one here? He wants you not only to live and to live long, he wants you to live well. Honor thy father and mother. Why? That it may be well with thee and that thy days may be long upon the earth. Fighting with your family and kids, especially fighting against your parents, your God-given authority, is a really hard life. He has put those people there in your life for a purpose. So God says, if I want you to have a long life and a good long life, here's a law. Don't dishonor your parents. Respect your parents. Love your parents. Notice how God never says agree. <laughs> Understand all the time. Because there are times you won't. Not because they're wrong, but because they know better and, and you really don't at that age. I was there before, so I'm speaking to myself. But God is going to, hey, if I want you to live and I want you to live long and I want you to live good and long, honor your parents. Here's another one. Let's see here. Chapter 24, verse 6. And we'll come back to chapter 22, but if you will, want to look at chapter 24, verse 6. He says this. If somebody owes you something, they have a debt to you, but they do not have the ability to pay that debt to you. And let's say the only thing that they have left is their tools. The, the tools that they use in order to make a living. You cannot take that man's tools as payment. Why? Because at that moment, that man's tools are his life. Taking that man's tools would be taking away his ability to provide for himself, to make himself a living, and I'm the God of the living, and if I say I want you to live and live long and live good and long, here's a law. If somebody owes you something, but they can't pay it other than by giving you their tools, you do not take their tools. You forgive the debt. Very practical. Chapter 22, verse 8. This is the one that I wanted to, to point out. We'll read this one. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof. So picture the houses back then. When you get into Canaan and you build your house, it wasn't these peaks like we have today with gutters on the side. They're flat roofs. And God knows, especially boys, when you build a house that has a flat roof on it, what are the men wanting to do? What are the boys wanting to do? Mom and dad, can we go play up on the roof? Or if you read Proverbs, if you live with a brawling woman, you're, you're, you're on the roof. So God says, okay, when you build a new house, 
and you have that flat roof up there, build a battlement, build a fence around the roof. Because eventually somebody's probably going to want to go up there and I don't want anyone falling off and dying. So that's a law. That's not a suggestion. That's a law. And so you read these things and you're thinking, why? Why would God? No, no, no. Look at what he's doing. He's saying, I want you to live. And I want you to live long. And I want you to live good and long. And there are plenty of people who are living a good life that have it cut short because they're up playing tag on the roof and there's no fence. And they land on a nest with the bird and the eggs in it. So because God truly cares about our life, he sets these practical ways to ensure health and safety. Read about hygiene, and you read it, and you're like, I can't believe that's in the Bible. But it's, I want you to be healthy. So there are certain things that you do to be clean and to take care of yourself and to take care of other people around you. Uh, it's just very practical. So don't get lost in chapters 12 through 26. Really good, really good practical things. And this all leads up to chapter 26 where Moses tells them about their settling procedure. Here are some laws about when you get into Canaan, this is how you're going to settle. And it's a three-year process and it's full of reminders of God's goodness and their unworthiness. So it's going to start off, he says, once you've been given your land of inheritance, it starts off in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 26 uh, with people bringing their first crops, a portion of their first crops to the temple. And this was a symbol that, okay, we have settled in the land for sure because the land is starting to provide for us. So you take that symbol and your first step of settling into this land is you're going to bring that in. And then along with this, you're going to give a three-part confession. And the first part of that confession is that we have possessed the land. Along with this first fruits of the land, we are saying this symbolizes that God has brought us into the land. Look in verse 3. I am come unto the country which the Lord swear. And this is proof of it. The second part of that confession in verse 4 through 7 is them saying, this possession is not because of my own doing. And then that would continue in verse 8 through 10. Therefore, it is only because of what God has done for me that we are here, that we have possessed this land and that the land is beginning to give her fruit. And then after three years, after all the laws of tithes and offerings have been given, the process of settling in Canaan would be, as the Bible calls it, avouched or confirmed. Look in verse 17 of chapter 26. Thou hast avouched the Lord... You, the people, have avouched the Lord this day to be thy God and to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and to hearken unto his voice. And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people as he hath promised thee and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments and to make thee high above all nations which he hath made in praise and in name and in honor, and that thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God as he hath spoken. This concludes part two, all of those various laws. And at this point, Moses begins his farewell address to Israel. And in it, he picks up the two key themes again. Remember, you have a choice to make. And then key theme number two, this choice not only affects you, but it affects other nations. 
And in chapter 27, he outlines a ceremony that is going to remind them of these two key truths. And remember how this ceremony was talked about in chapter 11, at the very end of chapter 11 from last week. Um, And here's the ceremony here in, in chapter 27. As soon as they cross into Canaan, they are going to go up onto a place called Mount Ebal, Ebal, E-V-A-L, and they're going to construct two structures. One of them is great stones that are plastered together with the words of the law written on them. Uh, all of the laws that God has given, possibly more than likely the Ten Commandments, uh, but they're going to make that great stone Uh, structure, plaster it together, and write the words of the law on there on Mount Ebal, and it was probably a place that they could see from very far off. They were also going to build an altar, and they were going to burn offerings on it. And if you remember from Leviticus, two very special offerings. First of all, a burnt offering, which is a voluntary way of saying, Lord, I need forgiveness for my sin. And then along with the burnt offering can come the peace offering. Because when atonement is made for sin, you can have peace with God. So they were going to make that great stone structure and then an altar, and they were going to do burnt offerings and peace offerings. And then seven tribes were going to stand on an adjacent mount, Mount Gerizim, and they were going to picture the choice of obedience and blessing. And then all the remaining tribes were going to stay on Mount Ebal, and they were going to symbolize the choice of disobedience and cursing. And you can read in verse 14 through 26 of chapter 27, uh, various curses are warned to anybody who disobeys uh, certain laws. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image. Verse 16, cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. 17, cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. All the way down through verse 26, and all the people shall say amen, saying, we agree. We understand that disobeying the law will bring death and cursing. We understand that therefore obeying the law will bring life and blessing. And that was going to be the, uh, the ceremony. In chapter 28, then, Moses brings out practical consequences of obedience and disobedience. And notice with me in verse 1 through 14, as he's talking about the blessing of obedience, notice how all of them illustrate a long and good life. As you read that, blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. You're going to have food. That helps if you want to have a long, good life. Um, All the way up to verse 15 through 68 is all the cursings of disobedience. And notice how those illustrate a hard life and even death itself. And then in verse 63, Moses again makes it clear, it is all dependent on your choices. It shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught, and ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. If you choose to disobey, the same God that wanted to give you life and blessing and a long life, good life, is going to bring cursing and death and destruction. I love the two words that Moses uses here and that God uses rather in verse 45 and in verse 2 of this chapter. Look in chapter 28, verse 2 to begin with. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. And then look in verse 45 of chapter 28. 
Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and what? Overtake thee. Have you ever had somebody joke around with you and they look at you and they say, Brother Mark, you staying out of trouble? And you come back and you say, it finds me. I'm trying to, but it finds me, right? Um, so, and have you ever spent your life looking for blessings? Spent time, Lord, where is the answer to prayer? Where is this and where is that? And the Lord says, if you just obey, blessings will overtake you. You couldn't run from them if you tried. But at the same thing, at the same token, if you disobey and you try to run from the punishment, those will overtake you as well. Uh, look in verse 20, uh, chapter 29 and 30. This concludes Moses' speech. In chapter 29, verse 1 through 8, he says, God has been nothing but good to you. And look at verse 9 of chapter 29. Keep, therefore, the words of this covenant and do them that ye may prosper in all that you do. Verse 10 through 17, he talks about Abraham. He talks about all their fathers. And what Moses is bringing out is this day right here, this day that you are about to partake in, going in and taking the promised land has been a long time coming. God has had this plan for a very long time. Since Genesis chapter 12, when he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. And now all of this, every single day, every single step, every move that God has made has brought you to this point right here. Therefore, if you choose to disobey and negate all that has been done to bring you to this point, the punishment will be very severe. And he says that in verse 18 through 23. Verse 22 and 23 says there's going to be plagues, there's going to be ruin, there's going to be death all around. Verse 24 says, instead of nations being blessed by you, they're going to walk by Canaan and see it laid waste and see it smoking and burning. And instead of nations saying, why are these people so blessed? They're going to say, why are, what happened? Why is this nation so cursed? Where did all this destruction come from? Why were they exiled out of the land Moses talks about? He says he'll remove you from the land with a greater people. And the other nations are going to ask why. And Moses says in verse 25 through 28, it will all be your fault. It will be because of your choices. And then look at how he ends in verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Moses has just spent chapter 12 through 26, all of Leviticus, a big portion of Exodus, saying, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not, 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 not. And he comes up now and says, listen, there's even more. There's more things that God hasn't even told you yet. But what he has told you, that belongs to you to obey. That belongs to you to care for. And that belongs to you to teach to your children. And then in verse uh, chapter 30, I keep on saying verse when I should be saying chapter. Chapter 30, verse 1 through 10. Moses says, listen, if it, if it does happen where you rebel and you disobey, if that does happen and God removes you from the land, turn to him. Turn back to him. Repent from what you have done and he will forgive you. He brings that out in verse 1 through 10. And I love what Moses says to them 
in verse 11 through 14. Would you read that with me? Follow along as I read that in chapter 30, verse 11 through 14. For this commandment, which I command thee this day, is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that they may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee. In thy mouth, it's in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Moses is looking at them and saying, You can do this. Through God's help, you can be obedient. You can do this. I want you to be blessed. I want you to obey. Think of this. From chapter 12 just through chapter 26, the people hearing all of that, they would be thinking, that's a lot. That's a lot of things to do. That's hard to remember all of it. And Moses says, but no, 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 it's not far from you. If you just rely on God, if you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself, all the law is, 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 is built up into those things. You can do it. It's not far from you. It's in your mouth. You know what it is. When people say, what should we do in this situation? You're so familiar with it, you could spout it off. You know what it is. And not only that, it's in your heart. It's in your heart. You have the desire to do it, and I want you to do it. God has set you up for success. Please make the right decision, is what Moses is saying. I know you can. You can do it. Thou mayest do it, but it's up to you. Look in verse 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. In chapter 31, Moses ends his speech, but that is really the key of the whole book. If you want to circle chapter 30, verse 15 through 20, that is the key of the whole book. Verse 1 through 6 of chapter 31, Moses ends his speech. He commands Joshua to be strong. He had written his speech out of Deuteronomy. He had written it out, and he gives it to the Levites, and he gives it to Joshua, and he says, I want you to read this in its entirety every seven years. Every seven years, I want you to read this in its entirety so people are reminded. And then Moses and Joshua are called to the temple in verse 14 and 15. And it's here where Moses and Joshua both receive some hard and yet some not surprising news. Even though the people could choose to obey, God tells them very, very pointedly, they're not going to. 
He says, they're going to rebel. They're going to break their covenant with me. And the day is going to come when they're exiled from the land. And God teaches Moses a song. And Moses, in turn, teaches, it, teaches the song to Israel. Look in verse 21. It shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness. God appoints Joshua through Moses in verse 23, verse 24 through 26. Moses' speech, he puts the speech on the side of the Ark of the Covenant, and he says, this is going to be a witness against you. What the Lord says is going to be true. You're going to rebel, and you're not going to obey. And this is going to be there on the side of the ark to remind you that I told you about this and that it was your choice. Look in verse 27. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death ye will utterly corrupt yourselves. And turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days. Because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of the song until they were ended. Chapter 32 contains the song and talks about how God has been so great, and yet Israel has kept on rebelling. Look in verse 6. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Think of how God has been there for you, and this is how you're going to repay him. It talks about how God has brought them out and blessed them, and it does not lead them to love him. It does not lead them to be faithful to him and to obey him. It actually leads them to be proud. It actually leads them to start thinking that they are the reason that they were in that position, and it causes them to turn away from God and to turn to idols instead. And it foretells of how, of course, we know Babylon is going to come and take them into captivity. And Moses ends the song. He gives one last call to obey. And then Moses is called up to Mount Nebo to see the promised land and die. Moses says goodbye in chapter 33. And it's interesting to note, if you want to note something interesting about this chapter, he blesses every tribe by name except for Simeon. And this is because, probably because, if you remember, back in Genesis chapter 49, and before that in Genesis, when Israel's daughter Dinah went and saw the daughters of the land, and she was defiled by a man named Shechem, Simeon and Levi went into that place and killed Shechem, killed his father, killed all of the men. And then when Jacob died... In Genesis chapter 49, he's going through and he's blessing all of his sons. He puts Simeon and Levi together and he says, you are, you're, you're violent people. And I forgot the, the words exactly, but he's basically calling out their violence and that they would be scattered throughout the land, uh, uh, the promised land. Now, what did we see in Leviticus? We saw that the Levites were actually called out. And remember when the Levites came and started to serve what did they have to do? That was a little strange. They had to shave. They had to shave their head. They had to shave their bodies. And what was that a picture of? That was a picture of leprosy. And when a leprous person was declared clean, they would shave everything. And God, what God was saying is, I have called out the Levites, and I'm forgiving you, and I have made you clean. That never happened with Simeon. And so Moses says goodbye, 
and he gives a blessing, not one blessing to Simeon. Now, obviously, Simeon is blessed along with the nation of Israel. But if you look in Joshua, when they do possess the land, Simeon does not get their own inheritance. Simeon's inheritance is a part of Judah's inheritance. They do not get their own. Chapter 34, Moses sees the promised land and dies. The people mourn over his death for 30 days, and Joshua takes over. And Jillian, the question that you had, it was probably Joshua that wrote this part, and not Moses, because you know Moses was dead. Um, so look at what is written about Moses in verse 10. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, and all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. In reading Deuteronomy, such a clear presentation of the choice of obedience in life and disobedience in death. In noting the time that, it, that God took to be so clear to enumerate such laws, when we recognize the fact that Moses was an incredible leader, uh, probably the, the greatest leader that this world has ever seen beside the Lord Jesus Christ, we're led to wonder how could the Israelites fail to make the right choice? How could they fail after all of that to make the right decision? But we have to remember, the problem that the Israelites had was the problem that started back in the Garden of Eden. Man was given a choice between life and death. And man chose instead to disobey and to bring death. And Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Therefore, the, prom, the problem in Genesis through De Deuteronomy and the problem that we are going to keep on seeing throughout the rest of the Old Testament is the same problem that we have today. When given the choice between obedience and disobedience, life or death, good or evil, light or darkness, we often choose wrong. So before we wonder how the Israelites could fail to make the right choice, we have to look in the mirror and we have to wonder the same thing about ourselves. We are many times the Israelites. The choice is still very clear today. In fact, even more clear today than it was back then because we have their example to learn from. Just like Moses at the beginning of Deuteronomy said, you have seen what happened to your fathers, don't make that same mistake. The Bible says the Old Testament was written for our example. And we can look back here and see that disobedience brings death, always, and obedience brings life. Why do we so often make the wrong choice? We stagger at the care that God showed just in these five books of the law, and yet Israel stood ignore them, all, ignored them. Yet all the while, we hold 66 books of a God-inspired Bible. And a lot of times, we ignore this, and we do not read it the way that we should. We can't imagine that somebody would ignore Moses' leadership, but let's remember this. Jesus has come, and he was a lot more than a prophet. He was the very Son of God. We skipped over chapter 18, but I encourage you to look back for time. We're, we're not going to look back at it together. But in chapter 18, Moses is talking about the occult, and he's talking about witchcraft. He's talking about uh, soothsayers. And all of those things were meant to show the future. 
And Moses says, here's a law. You are not going to do that. You're not going to go to a soothsayer. You're not going to go to a necromancer. You're not going to go to anybody with a familiar spirit. And then he says this, one day the Lord will bring a prophet like unto me. And when he comes, you hearken to him. There's only one event in the future that you need to be concerned about when the Messiah comes. So don't spend all of this time going to all of these heathen practices trying to figure out what the future holds. Seek for one thing in the future when Messiah comes. And what are we being, what are we told today? Because Jesus has come, we spend every day of our life watching for Jesus to come again. And so many people, we think, how could they ignore Moses? He was such a great leader, and he was so kind, and he was so meek, and he was so patient. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave us his word. How could we ignore him? How could we disobey him? And for every woe that can be given to a nation that ignored Moses, a thousand more can be given to you and I when we ignore Jesus Christ and his word. Just as they looked forward to Jesus coming, we are told to look forward to him coming again. So don't forget God's word. Don't ignore God's word. Don't change God's word. Don't redefine God's word. That's exactly what the Israelites did. And we know what happened to them. And that's not a threat to us. I'm not threatening you. What am I doing? I'm setting before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. So choose life. That it may be well with thee. With your children. With this country. With this world. It's your choice. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.